0: The following audio is from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Acts is available at actschurchleander.com.
1: We're going to read God's word uh, now, and this comes from uh, 1 Samuel 24, so you can open that or uh, swipe it open or read it up here. Um, here we go. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all of Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goats rocks. And he came to the shepherds by the way where there was a cave and and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of that cave. And the men of David said to him, "Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you." Then David arose, And stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him, because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, and the Lord's anointed to put out my hand against him, seeing that he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words, and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterward, David also arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, my Lord, my king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, behold, David seeks your harm? Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. As a proverb of the ancients says, out of the wicked comes wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom the king of Israel come out? After whom do you pursue? After a dead dog? After a flea? May the Lord, therefore, be judge and give sentence between me and you, and see to it and plead my cause, and deliver me from your hand. This is God's word for us today. I want to introduce our special guest speaker today. Uh, His name is Greg Holtz. He uh, comes all the way from the other side of the world, Cambodia. And uh, I got to know him a couple years ago. We went on a mission trip there, and he was the missionary there. And so uh, would you give him a hand and welcome, Greg?
0: Well, That is Cambodian for good morning, and may the peace of the Lord be with you. Alright, you were, you were much faster than the first service so we got some good Lutherans in here. As Grant said, my name is Greg Holtz and I know Grant through these mission trips that he did through Concordia to come visit us. And I believe that our friendship is no small miracle because the first time he came to see me, he got worms. The second time he came to see me, he got some kind of stomach bug and lost seven to eight pounds. And I wouldn't be surprised if this weekend he was chugging Pepto-Bismol since I'm around him. But you know, it's because of our friendship. I, I asked him if it would be possible to connect with his church. He said, "Sure, come on and teach a lesson this morning." So here I am. Um, so on Friday to, Friday afternoon, I got into the airport. Grant picked me up, took me to his house. Um, I kind of fell asleep on his couch for a while. But we were watching the inaugural balls, and I woke up just in time to see President Trump dancing with his wife Melania to the to Frank Sinatra's signature tune my way you know donald sang along with it and he looked obviously very proud because he sure sure did do it his way he did not do it the way everyone else told him to do it he did it his way and whether or not that's a good thing remains to be seen but oh how much do we wish we could do things our way you know as as children you know we we hear our parents say you need to do it like this and we think mom dad you're crazy i'm going to do it my way Teenagers love to do that especially. Um, in our jobs even sometimes, our bosses tell us how to do the job, and we think, if only I could do it my way, it would get done faster or better. Even in the church and the world of missions, we constantly want to do things our way. Even though God is telling us things like, I know the plans I have for you, or we know that on all, all things God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to His purpose. We like to think we know what's best for God and we like to think that our way is really going to serve God's purposes best. This weekend I had the unique challenge of trying to connect the story of David to missions and to my ministry and squeeze it all into 25 minutes and you know uh, after watching Donald Trump and hearing them sing my way I really thought, isn't that what it's about? You know, in this story, Saul first goes into a cave to relieve himself, and trust me, I've looked up online, nobody seems to agree what relieve himself actually means. <laughs> Whatever it was, he, he needed enough privacy that none of his attendants, none of his guards went in with him. And this just so happens to be the same cave that David and his men are hiding in. And so, of course, his men see Saul and think, David, here's your chance. God has given you... the the enemy into your hands go kill him and become the king you were anointed to be you know they goad him on David sneaks up to Saul but he doesn't kill him he cuts off a piece of his robe sneaks away and and tells his men to, to not go out he convinces them all somehow that he's not crazy keeps them all from going to attack Saul and when Saul leaves the cave David follows him out out into the light and calls to Saul look I mean you no harm I'm doing things God's way even though Saul was not acting as, the, as he should have as God's anointed king, David still, you know, he was God's anointed king, and David had sworn to protect him. David was not going to do things his way. You know, even if David had decided, David could have done things his way. He probably could have killed Saul. He probably would have had to fight through Saul's sons and the, the army in order to claim the title of king, but, you know, he was God's anointed to be the next king, so he Probably could have done it his way, but the consequences of that, we don't know what they are, thankfully. David decided to do things God's way. He decided to trust that even though he was going to be the king, that God would do it in his time, that God had it all under control. He showed restraint and did not do things his way. In our own lives and in missions... Trusting God's plan is probably one of the most difficult things we are called to do. Sometimes, you know, we don't, sometimes the comforts of, of wealth or, you know, a comfortable life, we don't see all the sin and suffering around us. But once we do see it, once your eyes are open, sometimes we feel this urge to just solve all the world's problems. We want to take things into our own hands. We feel like if we just do things our way, it will be fixed. Um... But when I first went out to Cambodia about ten years ago with LCMS World Mission, I was the first Lutheran missionary that they had ever sent to this city in northwest Cambodia called Battambang. And I arrived in Cambodia about after a week after arriving. I drive up to the city with my supervisor. I find an apartment. They show me the church where I'm going to be working, and then they leave. I they I'm not quite sure what LCMS was thinking, dropping a 22-year-old kid into the middle of nowhere Cambodia. They must have thought I was some kind of mission wonder kid. But, you know, I had to come up with my own support networks, and I had to, since I was the only Lutheran town, I kind of had to go talk to the non-Lutherans. And I, I made friends with a few of them, and one in particular who I was particularly close to, I watched him, and I had the unfortunate experience of watching him start by following God, but then doing things his way and falling away from the Word of God. Um, First he was running a, a soccer ministry. He would help churches set up soccer teams and would organize league games, and all these kids would come into the churches. They'd teach them Bible lessons. They'd do soccer practice, and it was a great ministry. And eventually it got to be so popular that everyone else wanted to join. Other organizations, orphanages wanted to have teams. At first he kept trying to focus on the churches, but then people started to offer him money. They started saying, we will fund these teams. We will fund these projects you just have to drop Jesus from your mission. And at first he thought, I, you know, all these resources, I can still be the Christian missionary, it just gives me access to more kids, and I have to trust the churches to do it. Well, he did that, and he kept getting bigger and bigger, and eventually even FIFA took notice and started fully funding his project, you know, putting, creating soccer teams for at-risk girls and all sorts of projects that sound absolutely wonderful. But every time he would do that, you could see he walked a little further away from God. The more he did it his way instead of God's way, you could see the churches began to take less priority. The churches stopped, partici- a lot of churches stopped participating in the soccer leagues. It just kind of got less and less about God and more and more about playing soccer. Eventually, I walked, watched my friend walk away from Christ. And I had, had to realize we need to remember to keep doing things God's way our way is not always the best way you know um, as I was thinking about all this I really thought about Psalm 37 and I will ah, me verses 1 through 5 are really what came to mind when I started Think about it. I don't know if this, is what David, if this situation of the cave is what David was thinking of when he wrote this, but it says, Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. And isn't that really our big challenge, is trusting in God? You know, if we, if we delight in the Lord, God will give us the desires of our heart, not the stuff we think we want now, but when we trust in God, when we choose to serve him wholly, the desires of our heart become the desires of God. We are to commit ourselves to the ways of the Lord because the ways of the world will fail and will perish, but God's way will always remain. Our way leads us away from God. God's way keeps us close to God. God's way makes us want to serve him even more than when when we begin. And so our challenge, obviously, is to trust God, even when we think our way will be better. And like my friend in the mission field, I I wrestle with this a lot. I, I work with street children, which I'll tell you a little bit more about in a minute. But people tempt me with funding. Opportunities to apply for grants to put kids in school. People who want to sponsor children but are not Christians. Sometimes I think, God, is it your, could I really just take this money and still serve you? It's, it is a strong temptation because we look at the problems of these children. There are children who would die without our help sometimes. And if we just had more resources, we could do it. And it is a constant struggle to trust that we need to do this God's way. To, to remember that we need to put God first in our ministry and trust that He will continue to, to fulfill His plan for these children for us. And on my leg, I actually have a tattoo of Romans 8:28. That's one of my that is my favorite verse. I know it's often overquoted and overused, and it's often taken out of context, but the point is, it's there to remind me that in all things. God works. That he has a purpose for those he has called. He has called us in the church. It is there to remind me that I can't always see his purpose. It is to remind me that even when I want to do things my way, I need to continually seek him and ask him to lead me in his way, not in my way. And Our organization, every year we pick a theme. This year our theme is based on Matthew 5.14, which says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven." Our theme is called One Hill, One Church, One Purpose. Obviously, the hill is this world. Uh, the city of Jerusalem was the city on a hill that they were constantly talking about for the, old Jew, for the Jewish people because it was the capital of the Jebusites, and David took it to be his capital. It was on top of a hill where everyone could see it. It is where everyone wanted to be. It is where they could be defended. It is where they could show the world you know, the power of God. One church. You know, we. Sometimes as Lutherans we get a bit carried away with, with, with doctrine and I, I, I like to remind myself I'm right, they're wrong, but they're still Christians. Um, but the point is what we do as, Christ, as Lutherans reflects on the Methodists. What the Presbyterians do as Christians reflects on us as the Lutherans. Non-Christians don't see the differences between us. They just see us all as Christians. And we are one church. We are one body in Christ even though sometimes we may disagree on, on interpretations or doctrine. But we still believe that Christ died for our sins, rose, and saved us so that we can be together. We are one church. And finally, one purpose. That is God's purpose, not our own purpose. You know, in the scripture, Christ was speaking to the Jewish people. He was, by extension, he was speaking to us, the modern church. He was talking about as the light of the world. We are to be the light. We are to love one another so deeply. We are to love our fellow Christians so deeply. We are to love others around us so deeply that we shine, that we are seen. We are to put God first in everything we do so that other people see us and want to be a part of what we're doing. We are to shine that light, that love, outward to others so that they too may see God's, God's love and God's plan for everyone. Our way is like David in that cave. It's David was in the darkness. He snuck up on Saul. He His men thought they knew what was best. You know, who knows what the consequences would have been if David had followed his way. God's way. David chose to follow God's way. David comes out of the cave into the light for all to see, to proclaim this is God's plan, this is God's message. To walk in the light, to be seen by all, this is God's way. And... That's what we're trying to do with our ministry in Cambodia. I'm just going to take a few minutes to tell you about our ministry in Cambodia. Uh, If you can go on to the first pictures, just so you know, Cambodia is pretty much on the opposite side of the planet. It's due south of China, sandwiched in between Thailand and Vietnam. It's a little country of about 14 million, 15 million people. Um, And it is not a Christian nation. It is officially 95% Buddhist. We work in a city in the upper northwest of the country called Badambong. That's where Grant and the students from Concordia came to. And a couple little quick facts. Next slide. Cambodia is known for two things. First off, it's known for this. It's this ancient temple called Angkor Wat. It is the largest temple in the world. It's the largest religious building actively used for worship. And just to give you some perspective, I have driven by Joel Osteen's Stadium Church in Houston He's got nothing on this place. That's how big it is. It's the big tourist draw. The other thing that Cambodia is known for, on the next slide, is the years 1975 to 1978 when they were under the control of a communist regime called the Khmer Rouge. They were led by a man named Pol Pot who wanted to build a perfect society from scratch. And to do this, they arrested educated people, people who used to be, work for the government, uh, engineers, religious leaders, anyone who had any significance before, the, before their, their rule, and they executed most of them. Well, when you get rid of the, the leaders, the people who know how to run a country, the people who know how to maintain the infrastructure, everything started to collapse. They forced people into work camps to go out work on the farms and in the countryside. They had unrealistic expectations, and what happened was people began to starve and die of disease and malnutrition. And all total, over the course of three years and eight months, over two million people were killed. That was out of a population of seven million at the time, so more than a quarter of their population was wiped out by its own government. As a result, Cambodia is one of the poorest countries in the world today. The average person there lives on about a dollar a day. Um, And our ministry specifically works with the the bottom of society. So the next slide. We work with street children. These are children who, they have families but they are homeless families. Their families are struggling with addiction, with uh, substance abuse, with alcoholism, with, you know, all sorts of social problems. These children are not able to go to school. They live on the streets. They collect recyclables. They go begging. Um, You know, in their society, they are the bottom rung of society. Very few people have any motivation to help them. Most people treat them as vermin. And go to the next slide. Every day we go out and we find them in places like this. This is an abandoned railroad station. Um, I remember the first time I took Grant and the team from Concordia out here. They, most of them had to actually stop and really process what it was like for these children to live right there. They could not believe their eyes. Um, they sleep on top of tables. You know, show the next slide. You know, this area, is a, it floods during the rainy season. This is the, the least desirable plot of land in the city, basically. It's the only place where these families know they won't be evicted anytime soon. And they live on top of these tables because down on the ground it floods, it's covered in garbage, and this is where their children live. Uh, On the next slide, they live in little camps by the river. When the water gets low, they set up little camps down there uh, because if they're on the sidewalks, people may trip over them, people may hit them. Sometimes people beat these kids and their families because they get angry at them. And so they set up little camps down by the riverside, under tarps and with whatever they can collect. Every day we go out at 6 a.m. to find these kids. Go to the next slide. Using this cool contraption that Grant and the kids from Concordia got for us, it's called a tuk-tuk. We use this and a little truck to go out every morning at 6 a.m. and pick up these kids, and we bring them back to school, bring them back to our center, um, where we enroll them in school. We take care of them. We feed them breakfast, we clean them up, we give them school uniforms, basically our ministry is doing everything that, that, that a family should be doing them but is not doing for them. Uh, we started this ministry because uh, few, several years ago as I was working at a church and we started working with street kids, we realized there was a lot of deep needs that weren't being met. First off, we were feeding them lunch, but we realized if we did not if we stopped feeding them, they would walk down the road to wherever they could find food. And if that was a Buddhist pagoda, they'd say praise Buddha instead of praise Jesus. They needed a deep root in faith. Secondly, we realized that a lot of these kids want to go to school, but they were dropping out of the first grade over and over again because their families weren't doing the basic jobs that needed to be done, things that we probably take for granted, like someone who wakes you up in the morning, someone who makes sure you're dressed, someone who makes sure you get on the school bus, someone who makes sure your homework is done, someone who calls the school when you're sick to get the absences excused. None of that was happening, and so our, our ministry tries to do that, to take care of these kids every day, to put them in school, to keep them in school, to be like their family and care for them long-term so that we, have, so that we can shine the light of Christ into their lives and so that we can uh, affect them to be Christians to someday share that, the love of God with others in their communities. Uh, go to the next slide. We currently take care of about 25 children. Uh, We started with five kids four years ago, now we have 25. This is the 21 kids we enroll in school. We also have four preschool students. And like I said, every day we go find them, we pick them up, we put them in school. And it is a constant challenge not to do things our way. Um, Like I said, sometimes these kids don't even wanna follow the, the, the programs we've set up for them. Sometimes you think this should be so obvious. Why aren't you doing it? And it's a constant struggle to keep doing things God's way. Sometimes we want to take that grant money so that we can start new projects to keep these older kids in, in school longer. Uh, sometimes we, you know, it's a, bit, it's a very strong temptation sometimes to do things our way. But we keep trying to remember we need to put God first because what does it matter if we feed 100 children and none of them ever come into God's holy kingdom? And so I I actually would actually like to ask for your prayers for some of our kids in particular. You can show the next slide. Oh, sorry. Uh, I forgot. Uh, A lot of these kids, if they are not in school around junior high, like 12 to 14 is kind of the crisis age, uh, if they don't have school or any kind of prospects, these kids typically, the girls, will end up getting sold into the sex trade or into arranged marriages with older men, or the boys w- who are no longer cute and able to r- find money by begging. Uh, they get rebellious, they separate from their families, and they band together with these groups called glue boys who take industrial glue, pl- put it in plastic bags, and basically huff the fumes. They say that the, it's not a good high, but they say that the, the, the whatever it is, relieves the pain of constantly being hungry. Um, And like I said, it's it's a constant struggle sometimes. Sometimes we want to take that money. We want to reach more kids. We want to start, we want to keep them from this situation. And it is a constant challenge sometimes. Remember, we need to keep God first. We need to trust in his plan, not our plans. And so on the next slide, uh, this girl, her name is Jumran. I would ask, please pray for her. She is one of the kids we're struggling with. You know, she lost both her parents in less than a year. Uh, And she acts out a lot, which is to be expected of a kid who has no 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 parents taking care of her She lives with her sister-in-law Who has her own kids and her own things to deal with and so she doesn't get a lot of attention Sometimes she wants to quit school. Sometimes she doesn't want to go to school Um, and We're constantly wrestling with kids like this it it would it some Sometimes we want just to take that extra money, go buy a, a house somewhere and make a home for these kids. And we have to trust God's, God's plan, that if that's what he wants, he will give it to us. But in everything we do, we have to keep him first. And then on, on the next kid, um, please pray for this boy. His name is Riley. And it's a similar situation. Like he, he's 10 years old. He wants to go find money. He wants to do his own things. And so he tries not to go to school, even though we know even though we try to tell them this is you know the 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 situation like the glue boys that's what will happen if you don't go to school so i I ask your prayers specifically for these two kids Um, like i said it is a when we have struggles like this it is sometimes difficult for us to keep doing things what we feel like is god's way and not our way go to the next slide also please pray Um, wherever i'm going i'm trying part of obviously being in the US is part of fundraising. We are trying to get a new truck. Please pray that God will t- supply us the resources to get a new truck or a new vehicle. This little tiny truck that I used to drive Grant around in, for some perspective, the top of the cab there is only about up to my eye level. You know, we cram over it's over twenty years old, we put over twenty children in it every day. It's uh it's kind of been being pushed past its limits and we we desperately need a new vehicle. Uh Another prayer request is that you would please pray for me and my family. That is my wife, Sinun. She is Cambodian. I met her when I first moved to Cambodia. Her uncle was the pastor of the church where I was working and every time I'd ask for help he'd basically say, ask my niece. And so I kept asking. I asked her to help me get a haircut. I asked her to help me go to the market. I asked her to lunch and then I had fun so I asked her to dinner and then I asked her to marry me. (laughs) And that's when I realized I would be in Cambodia probably forever. And so we have two kids. That's Richard and Julianne. We have one more on the way, due in May. And uh, this is another constant struggle. Sometimes I want to do things my way because I have to raise the money for the whole organization to care for 25 children, to, care, to pay five full-time staff, and to take care of my family. And sometimes it is a temptation to just take another opportunity to forget the ministry and take the money to support my family. And so I please ask that you would pray that God would continue to give us what we need to live as a family over there to support us, to raise up donors for that purpose. Uh, and finally, like I was saying, with some of these older kids, we really want to provide them work opportunities, and so we're really intensely praying about possibly starting a farm. So if you know anyone that does farming and would love to come to Cambodia and teach us how to farm, that would be great. Um, you know, The idea being, if we can grow some food, r- earn some money by selling vegetables, and provide work opportunities for older kids so that they don't feel like they need to quit school to go to work so that they can earn some money and still work at the same time. That's our goal with this project. Um, So if you could please pray that God would raise up the support for that and guide us on this, you know, help us to know if this is the direction he really wants us to go or if he's asking us to do do something else. Um, Go on the last slide. So please, these these are my prayer requests today. Um, you know, for the funding, for a truck, for our our ministry plans, for our staff in Cambodia, for these children that I told you about, for my family. And just please keep praying that we will be encouraged to follow God's way and not our way. You know, um, pray that he's going to keep us on track with that plan. And my prayer for you today, hopefully, is that you will also pray for God to keep you on his, to, to help you know what is his way to not follow your own way. Remember that in everything, God is going to work. He has purpose in everything in your lives. That you will love each other, that you will love each other within this church and those around you in your community so that you are that light shining out to the world so that you will remember God's purpose and that you may continue to do things His way and not your own way. So may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Thank you. Amen.